Swan Media Studios, deep inside a secret underground bunker. We're speaking to freedom-loving patriots from all around the country and the world. Welcome to the Resistance. This is John Crump, live. And we are live. How are you guys doing? I just want to say everyone subscribe to the Safety Doc. That's the guy we're having on today. Uh, you can go to safetyphd.com as well. We are brought to you by JSD Supply. JSD Supply has everything you need to build a firearm. Whether you're looking for a PED kit, one of their SIG P320 kits, uh, Patmos slide, whatever you need, they have. And they have some incredible deals going on. You can use code CRUMP and get money off. I do have an affiliate link, which I don't really give out, so whatever. But Crow Crop will get you $10 off and free shipping. Can you believe that? Free shipping. I mean, that's amazing. We are also sponsored by Tusk. Tusk is a cryptocurrency focused on the firearms market. Tusk is the one I... I support because it's not a pump and dump. It's not a rug pull or anything like that. Recently, I did have someone pitch a cryptocurrency and they offered me a quite a substantial amount of money to publish it. And I said, hell no, because, you know, there's a lot of rug pulls. Rug pulls is when the cryptos, they pump them up and all of a sudden, boom, they're gone. So I will not get involved in any of that stuff. But Tusk, I will. Proudly sponsored by TUSC, the only cryptocurrency designed with the firearms market in mind. With three-second processing times, it's the fastest cryptocurrency on the planet. On the planet! With lower transaction fees than traditional credit cards, it's perfect for your e-commerce needs. For gun guys, buy gun guys. Visit TUSC.network for more information and join the digital revolution. Cool, right? Tusk. Well, we are also sponsored by Balex One Tactical, where you cannot get this shirt because this is some Tier 1 Kinetics. Check them out, Tier 1 Kinetics. But you can get some patches. Awesome patch like that. The Flying Rich patch. Yes, you can get that. One lucky guy who buys a patch today will get the GOA patch. How about that? That's really cool, right? So go to blackswantactical.com and Rich is distracting me behind the scenes. So stop it, Rich. Black Swan Tactical, your number one source for 2A streetwear with shirts, mugs, hats, patches, flags, and more. There's always something to help you rep the 2A community. All proceeds go back into our projects. Viewers and listeners can take an additional 10% off with code CRUMPY. Unapologetically pro-gun, pro-liberty, and pro-freedom gear for the front lines of the culture war. And look, it's Flying Rich himself. I got to unmute myself, huh? Yes, you got to unmute yourself. Okay, 
By the way, you can also support the channel by going to patreon.com slash John Crump. We just got a couple new Patreons today. Isn't that awesome? All right. So with that said, let's go ahead and ask Rich, how are you doing? How are you doing, Rich? I'm doing good. You know, it's I, I enjoyed the nice long weekend. If you looked at my live stream, you saw my Thanksgiving Day disaster commentary. And, yeah. You know, yeah. otherwise things are good. All right. And we're we're joined by the safety doc himself. Hey, gentlemen. So, John and Rich, yeah, thank you so much for uh, inviting me on uh, John Crump Live. So, yeah, I am excited to be here. Yeah. Looking forward to this all day and, and a big fan of your, your channel. And, of course, uh, see you guys over in, in different channels, including uh, our friend uh, DLD. So, thank yeah. you for inviting me on. Dark has been calling me. He wants to come over and pick something up, but I guess he can't remember <laughs> when my freaking show's on. <laughs> That guy never sleeps. Uh, I always get a kick out of dark. Yeah, I've uh, known his brother since before he was his, he was born. Wow. Yeah, so it's you know I've I've known his family forever. Um, but yeah. Uh, by the way, are you into three D printing? I am not. Um, so I don't 3D print, although I, I, I know quite a bit about 3D printing because I teach um, a legal course for school administrators, and that's one area we cover. Okay. And, uh, the reason, 3D printing. The reason why I'm saying I usually talk, don't talk about deals or anything like that, but there is an awesome deal at Micro Center, and not sponsored by Micro Center or anything, but they have the Ender 3, which is usually $299. They have it for $199, right? But if you sign up for their mailing list, they're going to give you another $100 off. So you can walk wow. out with the Ender 3 for $99. Wow. Which is an insane if, price. If there was a micro center in my state, I would have got one. Yeah, I mean, that's an insane price. I almost drove over there and got a new one. I told Dark about it, and he, I think he was going to go try to get one. Dang. Because that's an insane price. Yeah, that that's... Hell of a price, and, right. and that's a 3D printer. After three hours, you're going to have great prints. I'm trying, where's my sample print? Yeah, I don't have the sample printer in. But actually, uh, my daughter bought the the stupid Apple Air Tags, which you know, Apple. I'm going to bleep out the bad words I think about Apple, so it's okay. going to take the show is going to be longer. But they sell you the stupid Air Tag, and they don't even put a key key ring on it. So you got to buy the Air Tag for like thirty bucks, and then spend another thirty five on some leather key fob. Well, I 3D printed this, and it so the air tag fits in here, and it's got a clip. Yeah, well, there, man, that's awesome. Well, well, there, well, there you go. Also, tomorrow, or, or you can print Pez dispensers. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get into your stuff today, <laughs> Doc. Also, tomorrow uh, we have Tim Mack on. Tim Mack wrote a book called Misfire about the NRA, which is a New York Times bestseller, uh, and he's an investigative journalist. We're not going to be talking about are you pro-gun or anti-gun because his book is so balanced that it's it's amazing that it's that balanced. Like, I don't know if he's pro-gun or anti-gun or anything like that because it's just balanced. And he talks a lot about the NRA, and I'm very, very excited to get to talk to him. But I'm very excited to talk, talk to you. How do you want to be referred to? I can refer to you as safety doc or... Sure. You could just do that, Safety Doc. All right, Safety Doc. Tell everyone what you do. Okay. So what does the Safety Doc do? I am um, a retired school administrator. 
um, after 25 years, and I consult with uh, school districts and organizations and companies on school safety and also uh, community safety. Um, so I'm also the author of the book School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America, and this uh, was released in 2019. It's the most honest book about the $3 billion school safety industry. Um, really broke it down. I was saying, hey, here's what's going on with the billions of dollars being uh, spent on school safety. And a lot of it is going toward devices and mechanisms and, and programs which aren't increasing safety in schools. So it was really a counterpunch to the narrative, um, but it needed to be written. It's extremely uh, solid with that. I presented on PBS twice about uh, school safety, once in 2013. And again in 2019. Um, so when I when I present also, and I teach uh, university courses for aspiring superintendents, um, one of the things that I find, uh, you know, John and Rich, is that people, uh, when you think about school safety, and you say, "What does school safety mean to you?" Uh, one of the first statements is, "Well, it's gun safety. Well, it's gun prevention. Well, it's you know," and it's like, "Okay, you know, you that's the narrative, right? Everybody has been been brought into that." So, when you read School of Errors, for example, you're not going to find that narrative. And kind of John, as you were saying with your uh, guest tomorrow, when I presented on PBS, I mean that wasn't the narrative. I was breaking down into um, threat reporting systems, right? The whole mental health, the issue of deep fakes in schools. Um, and I, I had two of my students this fall, we were doing tabletop exercises and their new superintendents. And in November, in this month, uh, one of them in their school district had a radon exposure. So their radon detectors went off and they had to evacuate the school. And another one had, um, it was called like an epoxy smell and they had to have 20 plus staff and students taken out by by ambulance and stuff but see these are the things like people don't don't talk about you don't you don't think about this when you're thinking school safety and that's where you know i broaden really the discussion out into school safety and, and pull it back because the entire world is trying to compact that into gun safety actually i'm trying to pull it up um here let's see if i can get to the I'm trying to get to the front cut I, so I, I, I've been is, reading your book, so like I've been trying, I'm trying, I'm scrolling both through back to the beginning, so I can show that. Uh, here it is. <laughs> hey, look at that! That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, sorry, <laughs> I was trying to scroll back. I've been scrolling since you've been on, trying to get back to the front <laughs> cover. And I have, I have a new book coming out too. It's called The Velocity of Information. It releases April fifteenth, and that is uh, about. Um, how humans function in chaos, in, in short-term chaos and chaos that lasts for months or even into years. And that um, has 10 in-depth interviews that I did, including Larry Lawton, America's Biggest Jewel Thief. Um, so I asked him, hey, how would you find out about you know 9-11, right? A guy who spent four years in the hole. So, um, yeah, that's that's coming out. Um, but I, I I think, you know, to, to sum up kind of what I do is I, I help schools, largely schools and communities identify their threat reporting systems. Like if you have a threat, how does, how does it get um, inputted into your system? Is it, we'll tell an adult, is it some complex app that no one has ever used before? And, you know, a kid's supposed to interface with it and then sitting down with these kids in schools and saying, so who has discretion here to make decisions? You know, that's another thing. Um, one, one question I'll ask is, teachers. So can you pull, could you pull the fire alarm if you noticed smoke coming from a door down the hall or something? Could you pull a fire alarm? And 
83% of the time, over hundreds of teachers, maybe thousands, 83% of the time, I say, I'd have to find somebody to give me permission, like a principal or something. So, holy cow. Yeah, it's 83, Rich. Yeah, it's 83%. And I have a, I have a friend who's a safety um, expert out on the, on the West Coast, and he does the same thing that I do where he'll individually go and he'll ask people, uh, you know, teachers when he comes into districts, these questions, teachers and staff, and even students, like high school students, they'd be like, I don't know. Like, I'd have to find somebody. And it's the same thing, guys. It's like, who has, who has permission to use the AED and take it out of the case? Who has permission to use a fire extinguisher? So, you know, there's a lot of these questions which nobody's asked, but when you ask them, you get really um, kind, of, <laughs> kind of like his eye-opening, whoa, answers. Like you'd think anybody would do that. You know, they they would feel they could pull a fire alarm. In most cases, they'd be like, no, I'd, I'd search for, you know, until I don't want to get in trouble. Um, so there's there's all these aspects of safety, right, that nobody thinks about. And that's where I tried to bring that into the into the discussion. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. It I mean, is. It is. <laughs> I mean I, the whole school safety thing is something that's, that, that's amazing. Um my my kid goes to a private school and they have all these safety protocols and they know you know pull the fire alarms of a fire and all this stuff and they and their school safety is like really really good. Awesome. But if you go to the private school uh, to the public school, which some of my friends' kids are in, it's freaking terrible. I uh, and I think it's just that my kids' private school they invested a lot of money, they brought in consultants, they figured out you know, the best ways to protect the kids and stuff like that. And I don't think a lot of public schools do that. No, John, John, you're right. Um, what happens is they end up um, having vendors because vendors pose as experts, right? And vendors come in and say, uh, we'll sell you this high definition camera system or in my district. And I have a picture of it in, in my book. Um, they sold the district bollards and said, Put in these these uh, yellow bollards in front of all of the doors of your building, so no one can crash in with a car. So because that <laughs> happens so frequently, <laughs> right, right, Rich? Because this happens all the time, right? And and so I, you know, I'm I'm, I'm reading this, and then I, I go past the schools, and they're they're drilling the holes in the in the sidewalks and stuff to put these in. And um, I took pictures, right, and one and again put one in the book. And I asked the superintendent, I said, so how did you determine this was the best way to spend your money? And basically it was, you know, vendors and it's customer perceived value. People can see this. Yeah. And I said, how about your two-way radios, right? How about being able to talk from the playground into the office if a kid, you know, falls and yeah. breaks an arm or something? Well, they're like, yeah, it's not good, right? How about between buildings? Like at night, people between buildings or custodial staff between buildings are like, nope, never tested it. So my God, obviously, obviously that's where your, you know, money should have gone instead of these bollards. So yeah. I'm in Wisconsin. These things now, they're two years old. They're starting to rust around the bottom when it gets, um, you know, snowy outside. You can't ever shovel so, around these things. It's impossible. And they're, they're, they look ugly. They fade it. They're useless. They create an obstacle as you come in and out. So just all of these things, just a waste. And, and John, you know, well, then you, you said, sell them Bollards 2.0. Okay. <laughs> well, like, where do I sign up for a job with that company? The consultants my my kids' private school yeah. brought in they didn't they they weren't vendors they didn't sell anything. They right. they they made a plan and said here, this is what you know. They have two way radio. Every teacher has a two way radio and everything nice. like that. But they didn't go out and get somebody that to sell them stuff. Right. 
uh, like I refer to it as kind of like in the financial industry, you have fiduciaries, right? Yes. Right? Yeah. Where, no. you, where you pay Good them way. fees and they're not trying to sell you anything. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's really uh, a great way to put it. And even, even in our state, so I'm in Wisconsin and the state uh, rec- set aside money uh, three years ago and basically a catalog of school safety equipment that districts could, could order for free out of this grant. And one of the districts Ooh. ordered um, new locks for their doors. And it was this really bizarre lock mechanism. Um, and so it, it was a hundred year old school. They retrofit it with these like double locks. There's a lock on the top and you gotta press a button and there's a lock at the bottom. And, and these things failed. So like in the first three weeks of school, a teacher had to kick out the bottom of a door to get in to, you know, get through this. Um, another time, I mean, it was several hours of trying to get one of these doors open. And then, so I was talking to the superintendent. And I'm like, so what do you do now? You know, you've just gotten rid of all your old locks, the state. So they contacted the state. The state's like, not our problem. So eventually I I got involved in that and was able to get a hold of the vendor and said, you got to help these people out. I mean, and, and the vendor said, yeah, just go in and like, you know, shake it a little bit or a little bit of talcum powder or a little WD-40. And, and I said, you know, we'll take this to the news. I mean, this is ridiculous. You just sold For them sure. garbage and you, you didn't make it any, you made it more dangerous. Uh, you're not standing by your product in the state. So, so yeah, right. As, and as you said, John, likely what happened in that setting, you're talking about the private school setting is, Whoever came in thought, let me analyze what's existing here and let's look at what we can couple with this to make it a more effective safety system for like a system, like for the staff and the kids. And so that's really great. Unfortunately, it just doesn't happen very much. Yeah. Well, but I'll tell you what disturbs me the most. And first, I want to get get a question out here. John, is this our first get that's guest that's wearing a suit jacket? <laughs> no. Because no. I. Culture, it's it's a little startling for me. Not not that I no, have a jacket. We had somebody wearing a suit and tie one time. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, we're, right, we're, so. we're really laid back here, man. He's <laughs> not the first. I, oh, I, oh, I forgot oh, who it was uh, who the economist was that hey, said it. But it there's be, three ways to spend money. Hey, before you say one, anything, yeah, I I want to go on that suit thing. Rich and I come from the tech world, right? And in the tech world. The CEOs don't wear food jackets. You right. know? Right. It's like everyone's in T-shirts and everything else. But I, I did work at the Mayo Clinic, and they were, like, mad at you if you didn't wear a vest with your suit, even though you're in the back office and nobody saw you. Wow. I'd love to have a vest. I don't own a vest. So, yeah. Dude, when, when I was working for my previous company, and we met with the CEO of that previous company, the one that starts with an F, it might have a B in there. It might be called Meta now, but <laughs> like he was even in a uh, freaking hoodie. Yeah, so and like all and like and uh, the the CEO of the company was wearing a t- she was wearing a t shirt. So I mean that's the world I come from, and and this this really goes with my uh, just kind of the safety doc when I when I do shows or are, or I'm on shows, but yeah, typically it's not my everyday. It's my I, I didn't know if you just walk around. It's like Saturday morning. You get up, put the suit you know, jacket on. I'll tell you though, um, you could because uh, these things are like twenty bucks now on eBay because nobody goes to the office. So <laughs> I didn't think about that. Go, you know, uh, Oscar De Laurenta forty four reg man, and for a hundred bucks, I can set myself up for five years worth of sport coats. So, oh, um, oh yeah, 
Yeah, I, I got half a closet I don't use anymore. So it is kind of fun in that regard because yeah, if anything happens to it, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not worried. Uh, but yeah, there's no dry cleaners around anymore either. Like all of oh, our area, they're just all shut down. So like I have to drive a long way to. I got one like five minutes away from me. Man, John, that's gold. I used to. And then yeah, mm-hmm. shut her mm-hmm. down. Yeah, it's just uh, there are a lot of uh, people in my neighborhood that wear suit jackets, I guess oh. you can say. But John lives in the bad part of his neighborhood. <laughs> right. I do. People think that's a joke when you say that, but that's true. That's true. But everything's relative, I guess. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to hit on the locks. And so there's three ways to spend money. You spend your money on something for you. You spend somebody else's money on something for you, which is the second worst way. And the third worst way to spend money is you spend somebody else's money on somebody else. Right. <laughs> And that's what you described yes. is in the, I, I forgot it. It's not Deming. Some, somebody, whoever the economist that Dan Bongino quotes all the time said that. Dude, so, what's up with you and Dan Bongino? Every episode is like, Dan Bongino said this. Dan Dan's Bongino said this. Dan, Dan and Nancy Pelosi are neighbors. So, you know, I'm just pimping people in my hood. Oh, wow. Dude, Ashton has a cyber cell. Spend $100, get $20 off. Okay, sorry. <laughs> But but the point is the the worst possible way to spend your money or money being spent is when the government spends it, like the school, like you just described, and they're buying like oh let, I got money in my budget, let's pick through the catalog yes. and whoop, I'll buy these. And the problem with that is you don't care about the cost or the quality in right. that case. It has right. no bearing on it. And I've actually, I'm not going to name the organization I worked for, but I did work for a Manhattan organization. And at the end of the year, I had a budget. And if I didn't spend every last dime in that budget, I got less of a budget next year. Right, right. Yeah. So I had to, it didn't matter what it was. If, if I ordered a crate of red staplers, it didn't matter. I had to, it's like my director came in like, Hey, you got to spend this money. I'm like, how much? And it's like this. I'm like, all right, I'm on it. Yeah, no, you're right. And in school safety, again, if it wasn't in the catalog, you know, you could say, I, I want to spend money on, you know, we're going to interview students and, and staff and families on, on um, what safety means to them, how they interact with our safety systems, stuff like that. Like none of that would be approved, right? It had to be in the catalog. So even things like that are sensical or bring in observers to, to watch us do exercises and make recommendations, you know, maybe John, what, what's happening, um, you know, at, at the private school you're talking about. So those things weren't, weren't even options. Somebody approached me from one of the districts and said, yeah, I have a few things I'd like to do kind of like that, that made a lot of sense. So I helped them write this proposal and it just, again, the DOJ is like, Nope, not in the catalog. So here it's got to be this, you know, and, uh, and, so, yeah. and so I think, we, you know, you talk about the school catalog and you think that, well, the school did research on them and these are best of breed products right. and therefore. Right. No, right. So that's what you, and in 2019, when I was on PBS, I said, that's, that doesn't happen at all, right? It is, um, there is no underwriters laboratory. There is no mm-hmm. um, research. There's really no liability for companies who sell these things. Um, and you know, the, the hope for the company is it'll never be tested, right? Because these are very low incidence things like those ballers, right? So like, it's unlikely anybody will collide into them. So 
So they, they, they sell things without any research. Um, they, they don't have any way to assess what your current systems are and say, no, that's really not your priority. Your priority is two-way radios or something else. And, um, and like, so, so I, I take it, and just for my point of view, and I, I'm sure John feels the same way, is if I say, hey, these are the best magazines ever. Buy these mags. They're the worst. Don't buy them. You know, if I'm pimping something on the show, I'm I'm not going to say, hey, this flashlight is it isn't. This is not a good flashlight. Somebody sent it to me for free. I will not promote it. And I would expect if there was a Black Swan media catalog of like uh, podcasting equipment, microphones and lights right. and stuff right. like that, that John would have used it. He would have said it was good stuff. And this is what you should buy. Absolutely. It, just no, absolutely. What value? Ever. And, 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 the, and the other part to go with that, right, would be if you did discover something that had a defect in it. Some people start contacting you uh-huh. and say, hey, this particular product, we're having some issues. That you, Then you would look and say, okay, like, where did this pro- where did we sell this to? Which districts bought these locks? But that didn't happen either. Yeah, right. so, that's yeah, so you thing. track the product. It's like, hey, these guys bought the stuff. Right. There has to be, yeah, some type of either we're going to switch it out or something. Because that stuff happens. That's that's typical. I mean, but the fact of just saying, nope, we'll handle it in this one case because you made a ruckus about it. and But we're not going to notify these other other places. And um, so it is, you know, it's a weird world to to function in. And, and one of the things, too, is um, I work with in tabletop exercises. So getting people to make decisions when they're stressed. And it can be, you know, like, hey, there, you know, there was there was a bus accident or something or there there is a blackout. So, like, you know, what would you do? And I'll tell you, it's it's getting people are just hesitant, people in leadership to make decisions. So that's that's really the barrier coming into this is you need to make a decision. You need to, need to inventory your options and make a decision. And if it's if it doesn't move you forward, then inventory your options again and make another decision. I mean. Um, but people are are so dis- decision ad- averse, I would say, which is a it's probably part of society too. I mean, I don't see people as as kind of a go getters and wanting to lead as much. Um, they're kind of in that delta wing, right, waiting for somebody else to take the lead, which you can't do in or, safety, right? Or, or <laughs> you got to make a decision. Or the Omicron ring, yeah. I see DLD after there out there. Thank you, DLD, for bringing me this awesome guest. And yes, we and do have to get him up to. Uh, how many subs are you at now? I think I'm at a seven thirty eight coming into today. Oh, wow. So I'm uh, I'm up two hundred and like seventy subs or forty percent in the last month. That's um, pretty good. So yeah, uh, hoping to you know to get above a thousand and especially before the book launch on, on April 15th. So I have a podcast uh, tonight, actually. So I do um, Monday nights and Friday mornings for my show. And that's uh, on your YouTube channel. Yes, on my YouTube channel. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, I really I really enjoy your podcast. Hey, thanks. And I usually don't listen to that many podcasts. I had... I had somebody uh, contact me a, a few weeks ago and, and said, hey, I listened to all 159 episodes of your show so far. I'm like, it's like 300 hours worth of listening. I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah. I mean, they had they work in um, school safety in a, in a district in Florida. Oh. And, and that's, their, that's their job. So, you know, they were pulling stuff from this. I always do a blog post. And, and then um, they said, hey, I've got a few questions on some stuff. Can I contact you? I'm like, sure. You know. I'm oh, fantastic. Glad, 
yeah, glad to help you out. Um, but yeah, someone who's, I, I've had people who have listened, who've taken my PBS presentation and then they've outlined it and then they like build in resources like that link to it. And it was all positive, right? And then they email me this and say, hey, like this might help you in your presenting. I'm like, oh my God, like this is like 20 hours worth of work here. I don't even know you. We should send you like a, a gift or something. Right, should, right. This like this Pete Venkman should be coming your way or something like that. I mean, right. I hey, what? Oh, it, what was that? The yeah, there. It's, uh, it wasn't a Funko Pop, Ghostbusters. John. Yeah, right I know. I I just saw the new Ghostbusters today. I introduced my uh, my my eight year old to the Ghostbusters movies this weekend, and then today you, we went. You uh, told him the third one didn't exist. Right. Uh, no, the 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 remake. Uh, I just skipped that one totally. Right. We didn't watch the remake, and then I took him to see Ghostbusters Afterlife today, which I haven't. I don't know if you follow it or not. I haven't. So should I? Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Okay. Because I, I saw eighty. I saw the uh, eighty four, the original Ghostbusters, in the theater. So yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a proper proper sequel. Nice. Which it's not a remake. It's a freaking sequel, which is awesome. Yeah. I love it. I, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'll, I'll see it. So, yeah. Even though the Ghostbusters look old as hell. <laughs> but oh, most man. of the story is not about them. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good movie. My son liked it. I liked it. Cool. Yeah. We have a theater in our, our town, which is nice. I don't live in a very big town, but it's a very nice theater, like re- reclining, you know, seats and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. Um, yeah. John has a theater like that in his basement. Yeah, Man, you are are fortunate, buddy. Yeah, this this oh, is Rich, uh, this stop is, telling everyone. <laughs> this is the best as it gets down here in the unheated North Star Recording Studio, and it's it's winter in Wisconsin, so it's about sixty three down here right now. No, like like Uh-oh. I've always wanted to have a theater in my house. I you think know, it's like awesome. like a proper theater with like stadium seating, one hundred thirty yeah. inch screen surround sound and everything and a few years ago my wife built me one that is awesome private theater god so i love it rich likes it <laughs> when i was when i was in college um one of my my friends who graduated a couple of years before like um bought a house in this in the university same town so and he had a, a shed out back um and and he had it basically made in i mean this is in the 90s he he had it made into this surround sound type studio. And it was just amazing. We watched the movie uh, Twister and like the whole shed was vibrating. Oh, that's cool. And just, I mean, you'd be like, you almost had to go and get outside just to like ground yourself. Like, holy smokes. Like it was so realistic. Um, Yeah. And he ran a cable from the shed underneath into his house. And then he had all of his DVDs. Like he he could program everything from outside. It's just amazing. He was an electrician, by the way. So like, this stuff was just second nature for him, but oh god! So yeah, oh man, that sounds great. Oh, by the way, next belt, everyone. Um, they have a a um, a deal. Uh, I, I I wear next belts. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with next belts or not. I'm not, but they're freaking awesome belts, and and I, and I wear them, and uh, I, I I'm now have affiliate links from them. Um, because I really, really like their crap. I don't know, Rich. You know next belts at all? Yeah, sure. They're, they're freaking I, great. I'm, I'm waiting for my free one from you. Well, we're gonna have the the dude on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a they're just great belts, especially if you carry. 
So you guys ever heard of a uh, Mernicle hol- holsters? No, uh, I haven't. Texas. So that's where I have my uh, belt. Um, so it's a, um, yeah, I mean, a, a thick wall leather um, that you can holster anything on without it, without it turning over. So Mernicle, um, and I've built, I've bought belts like for 15 years from them, but it's just, it's just, it's this family run organization or business. So um, they make really cool stuff. Anything you want. Like I, I sent them like, here's where I want the holes on it. Here's where I want this and this. And they're like, got it. So, yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, they're, when you carry belts or, you know, it can be stupid to get a belt that really works good. Right. Um, unfortunately they they actually have, uh, like really good belts and I, and, I, and I've been using them for years and, and, and they reached out and said, Hey, we want to come in your podcast. I'm like, we have this belt system. We'll send you a belt. I'm like, I got like 15 in my closet. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you can send me extra ones. <laughs> but it's the only belt that I use. So, awesome. so, yeah, so I'm going to have them on my podcast just to talk about their belts, just because it's something that I actually do use. I love a good belt. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't am, know. I'm I just, kind of I, a belt connoisseur. Yeah. I just got a notification of their cyber monday sell <laughs> it's like up to 30 percent off which was crazy because i don't need any more belts but um yeah <laughs> it looks like i'm gonna be buying myself a new belt <laughs> it's like one of those things um yeah i don't know but getting back to you <laughs> sorry cyber monday is like killing me um, we, we totally like tracked yeah, I'm, I'm I'm like uh ADHD so I see something you know like something shiny over there I'm like ah got to get horse blinders on you. Yeah, exactly. Um I don't know, there's just a lot of good deals out there. I know like Silencer Co had to buy one get one free suppressor. Um so yeah, more tax stamps. <laughs> that just means yeah, I was going to say it means you double the tax stamps. Yeah, well, my lawyer spent seven thousand dollars on gun stuff. Wow! We talk about a baller. Yeah, he's like, "Yo, buy one, get one free." Okay. Oh, there's no limit. You can buy multiple suppressors and get multiple. <laughs> Whatever. Then he bought one from something else. Then he saw another deal for another suppressor. He's like, "Oh, I just bought a suppressor. Should I cancel my order?" No, I'm just gonna get another one. <laughs> I'm like, all right, whatever, whatever you do, you man. <laughs> so, guys, i've I've got um I've got an interesting take on kind of the FBI and schools. If you want to, yeah, yeah, let's get into go down it. That, go down that road a little bit. So, um, so on October fourth, all right. So I've got it up on. I've got three screens in in, in front of me. So if you guys are looking over. Here, you're like, hey, is Dave checking out the Cyber Monday deals? No, I am actually over here just looking at uh, my, my podcast I did on this. But on uh, October 4th, 2021, um, Attorney General Merrick Garland sent a memo uh, to the director of the FBI. And he told the director of the FBI in this memo, and I have it linked out on my site, safetyph.com. And the, I mean, it's easy to find this, this memo. But anyway, sent this, this one-page memo 
telling the FBI, hey, get the, the federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial leaders together. And in the next 30 days, figure out strategies for addressing threats against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff. Yep. And that- then also how to gather evidence. Yeah. So that came out on October 4th. So it's been 30 days, right? Um, so I, I talked about this with my um, superintendents. Again, you know, I teach the legal class, the graduate legal class. And, and first of all, I said, do you know that this memo has been issued? Have any of your organizations told you this? Like your state organizations, you're part of your superintendent groups and stuff like that. They're like, nope, no one's ever said, no one's said anything about this. I'm like, well, hmm. all right. So here's, a, here's that's not uncommon, guys, uh, that, you know, their organizations don't help them out. You know, you were talking to about, um, kind of vendors and stuff, I, I think, um, John. And so there was an article that I I, I brought up when I talked of an, on PBS, and it was done by, the article was by the 74 million. So if anybody does a search for it, it was like superintendents and paying for endorsements. And the articles basically said, yeah, you know, a lot of these organizations, these, you know, that schools are aligned with or pay memberships to you can pay them $15,000 and they can, they'll, you know, basically put your device. They don't say they may maybe endorse it, but really they do. Right. So it's a pay to play type of thing. But um, so that does exist. And these, these, these things are very, very real. But so anyway, October 4th, um, the attorney general sends this memo to the FBI says, Hey, school board meetings um, are becoming uh, too out of control. So we need ways for schools to, make these, I guess, more civil. And the second is how they can collect data on in evidence on people who are attending meetings. And so it's nothing has come out from this yet, but it wasn't dropped. It's still out there. And if you start to re- read some of the headlines, parents, um, you know, FBI, FBI are appearing at certain school board meetings. Uh, parents are finding out that they're being investigated because they've presented at a meeting against a mask mandate or something like that. Yeah. It's um, Loudoun County. So, so that's, that's an example. That's right why, there. That's where I live at. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's, uh, that's yeah. One example. And, and, you know, I can, I start to see these and I'm like, so when is the other shoe going to drop on this? And also if, if you're the, if you're being investigated, so the school district would make this report, I guess, to the FBI that a parent has made what they perceive to be a threatening statement. Now, when they listed out what some of the threatening statements were, they were things like, okay, be like, hey, you know, Rich and John, like you guys are on the school board and and here I'm presenting and and I don't agree with, you know, your decisions and I'm going to get you guys out of those seats. So if I say that, right, both of you are like, okay, we could take Dave, like wouldn't be any problem. But no, you know, you're thinking, well, wait a second. He just said, you know, he's going to get us out of those seats. That's a threatening statement. So we're going to report that. And suddenly... I'm the recipient of an FBI investigation. And, and this isn't hyperbole, by the way. And this is happening. Um, it is happening. And for, so, but maybe what I meant is, hey, I'm going to run for election or else I'm going to be campaigning for whoever's out there running against you guys. And we're going to properly right through the Democratic school board voting process, um, you know, put other people in and, and remove you through that voting process. So mm-hmm. it is it is completely subjective. Um, and these districts and these superintendents aren't getting any guidance on this. Or if they do get guidance from the legal counsel, their attorneys um, tell them, gather evidence on on your participants in school board meetings. So another thing I told my 
class, you know, I said, it will be very soon you'll receive directives from some of your legal counsels to record everybody at a school board meeting. Not, you know, that the, that the school board members are recorded, that the audience is recorded. Like, you're going to be asked to do that. That will be evidence, right? Because if, you know, I'm reading through this very carefully, and I've worked with lawyers, I've been an expert witness, and um, I'm like, this, this is a blueprint to collect evidence, and you can collect evidence on anybody. And, you know, it is, it is, is really scary. Like, where does this, where does this stop? And for school safety, it also has this really weird feel of kind of like this default to the feds. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's not clearly communicated out to the superintendents, um, the school board associations, you know, they're getting fuzzy statements on what to do with this. But uh, so, but the FBI is starting to advance this. And uh, so I never thought we'd see this. And something too, like if they say, you know, in 30 days, we're going to hold these hearing sessions. Well, that's ridiculous, right? In a perfect situation, you couldn't go to tribal communities and states and whatever and hold these meetings in 30 days. So um, so this is a big setup and it's something that nobody is bringing attention to. And it's just kind of easing. It's becoming the norm of hey, you know, we're going to be gathering more information on people who present at, in opposition to X, Y, Z, whatever it is, or, you know, send a letter that might have a, a you know, it's, I wouldn't say threatening, because obviously, you know, if you're threatening somebody, that's that's overt, that's different, but um, kind of, you know, opposing viewpoints of boards and stuff like that. And um, this is a mess, guys. This is, I never thought I'd see this. I've done this, you know, 25 years. I've taught classes for 20 years. And I told the students this fall, I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. And, you know, you've got to know where you stand on this. And you've also, you know, what what do you do if the, the FBI comes knocking and is asking you for yeah, information on some of your, your parents? And you know, obviously, they're probably not going to do that. They'll just pull it off on their own. They have this information anyway, but... I said, you know, what's your message here? Uh, what what if your school board association said to you or your school board said, hey, like, we want to start recording everybody in the audience and it's going to be evidence. Like, what do you think? Are you going to get behind that or not? And so, again, like, you know. It's like Stasi. It is. Style. This is very close to Stasi. And back in, so, so John, back in um, March of 2020, it was Bellevue, Washington the the police department put together a website and so i captured the website right you know i'm taking screen captures video all this stuff and they weren't the only one around me dane county wisconsin where madison is and other places had these websites where if people were had gatherings of four or more people you could drag from a google map the address in and then you could take pictures and you could report that that gathering social gathering had happened it was in violation right of the social gathering of you know three people or whatever so this is also this, this has a very Stasi feel to it. Um, and it's, is it telling other parents to record parents who are presenting at meetings or, I mean, or, or monitoring Facebook, right? If parents have a close Facebook group about, a, you know, what's going on at school. Or, I, so, so you're right. Yeah. So the Stasi stuff, right, is what was it like East Germany where it was like one in three people were basically enrolled by the government to spy on their neighbors and report yep. uh, their behaviors. And, and I think in, in China with the social credit score, um, 
you're required to report so many good things and bad things about like people um, to, you know, to impact our social credit score. But yeah, to me, this has a, this has a complete Stasi feel. It, it is, you know, it's really an overstep because, and again, school boards at a local level and, you know, at a state level, they were coming back to the Fed and saying, we don't need this. Like most of our meetings turn out okay. We don't need this. Um, so that's what they did is, you know, they were, they were telling them, Hey, just leave us alone to do this on our, on our own. So yeah. there was a lady in Colorado that got a visit from the FBI because she said something. Very was it Thanksgiving morning? Yes. It's never good. <laughs> that's never good. Yeah. Because she... and, and they broke in her door. I, so I, I, I heard about that and, um, and I, you know, I've read and cause I follow this, right. You know, I'm, I'm so I found enough of these that, um, you know, the, the concern is definitely there. Right. And another thing too, is if you're, I was, I was going through this, if, if you're the recipient of an FBI investigation, so they're investigating, you know, let's say some, anybody, right they don't necessarily tell that person they're, they're being investigated. You don't find out until you're trying to get a loan on a vehicle or something. And it's like, Hey, you know, we can't give you a loan right now. Why? Well, <laughs> whatever your credit's locked because you're the recipient of this investigation or, you know, some of these, you don't under, you don't Holy even cow. know this process is going. So you're saying the process is the punishment. <laughs> so it's not very clear, right guys? So, um, but so when I taught this class too, I'm, I just had to say at one point, you know, I'm telling you how things functioned in 18 years of teaching this when there was rule of law. And now I'm telling you how this functions now um, because, you know, these, these directives come out, which I've never seen before. And it, it, it really is, is putting, um, you know, parents are, are being positioned in, in one letter. I don't know if it was from, Oh, here it is. Uh, it, the NS, the national school board association wrote a letter on September 29th. And this is a letter they wrote to Mary, to the president Biden, which uh, fueled this October 4th, but the national school board association wrote a letter. And in that they were saying that some of the threats of violence that, um, the parents were doing was on par with um, domestic terrorists. So it's right in their memo. They use that. It's in a 97 word sentence, by the way, which I've never written a 97 word sentence in my way, but in my life, but yeah. So it is using the word domestic terrorist and parents um, in, in the same vein. So, so as a safety guy, right? Like this is, this is just unbelievable stuff I've never seen before. And as I, as I tell parents, um, if you're going to present to a school board, which you have, have the right to you, but always record yourself, have somebody there who's specifically just recording you, um, you know, have your statements prepared and things like that in advance, because, you know, that's at least your set of evidence versus like a set of evidence that might come up later. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I wasn't, I was thinking it the whole time, John Stasi in my mind of this is becoming you know, who's going to get turned in by somebody else. Yeah, it is. It's 1984 Stasi, whatever you want to use. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's getting crazy out there. 
Um, and we have like a ministry of truth going on too. If you think about it, if you don't, if you never read in 1984, the ministry of truth was called the ministry of truth, but it was the propaganda wing. Right. Right. And I, and if you look at some of it, it, I mean, that's what's going on, especially with like a lot of the mainstream media and stuff, they're pitting out blatantly false things about people. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, yeah, that's definitely happening. Um, you know, where for me, one of, one of the very tangible things was, was, um, a week ago, Sunday in, in Waukesha, which is two hours away from me. And, um, you know, the, somebody drives through and basically, you know, massacres, um, a, Crowded. It was an SUV accident. Right. Damn the right. SUVs. So, so Rich, uh, and so what I did is I went on and I was I was contacting every reporter I could, both locally and nationally, who was saying it was an SUV accident, it was a crash, and saying, you know, this is inaccurate, right? Your this this was a massacre. Um, people were killed. People didn't lose their lives. Um, you know, people were killed um, as as a result of this. So this whole thing of select, and then also. On my local news, two days later, Madison, Wisconsin, they had a feature on this. And what the feature was, it was about reuniting people with their folding chairs that were left at the scene. So they had what? this, like, yeah, this was like a two-minute thing. Um, so this was the way that they were going to cover this 48 hours out. So I also had that, you know, I know how long it was. I had that re- recorded because people say, no, that didn't happen. I'm like, yeah, this is what they did. Is so that you know they're showing this like gymnasium or something with all of these chairs and people can come down and claim their chair or claim their chairs or their water bottles and then they interview some guy who comes out of this place and and they're like so this is and they're using the words like this this is kind of healing right this is like you know it's reunification the guy's like I suppose what? like what so the the whole thing was so um off key right and and instead of talking about you know the victims in the hospital learning more about the victims or support for the victims or even things like saying if you were there and you have video of this here's how to submit your video to that wasn't happening so all of this very careful measured coverage and selection of words to try to again you know make people see things in a certain way and then also forget about it you know, again, we're a week out and it doesn't make the news any longer here, although I think there's 20 some people still in the hospital, including kids. Critical. Right. Um, but yeah, the narrative. This, this was actually I, sickening to me. And the thing that I hate about incidents like this is they say, you know, five people are dead. Is it five or six at this point? It's six. Yeah. It's six. So they say six people are dead. But I want to know how many people have a broken arm or leg? How many people lost an arm or leg? How many right. people are, are never going to walk again? How many, you know, this, there's a whole human side to this that just isn't a scorecard living in debt. Right. Right. So, so Rich, I mean, I'm, I'm right with you on that. And, and where are, where's the investigative journalism to, you know, to go down that, that road? It just doesn't exist um, anymore. And so, yeah, that's extremely, um, frustrating because I've, I, again, call it like it is. And I've, I, so when I wrote school of Airs, um, I talked to several parents who, you know, that had children who were, who were killed by shooters. Okay. And they, they said, use the word killed, right. 
that they were killed by by shooters instead of lost their lives. And that's something, you know, we get into this Waukesha narrative. Killed has never been part of the narrative. It's tragedy, right? It, or it's mm-hmm. crash mm-hmm. or something like that. So it's, yeah, to me, it's sickening. When I saw, when I saw that they were doing this piece and, and this whole thing of this, you know, here are all these you know, folding chairs. Yeah, people could care less, right, about a fold. They're not coming down to try to find their folding chair. I mean, this isn't going to be this, oh, yeah, you know, every, it's a, I, we left here and this was a, this chair meant a lot to us. I mean, come on, give me a break. And, and yet, yeah, like, you know, some people, I, I don't know. I don't know that I'd want it back. If, yeah. if I ran out and I had a folding chair and I ran that, I ran away. I don't know that I want it back. Right. Right. So I, I just, uh, it, it was, um, yeah, I think it was, you know, both irresponsible journalism, but it's also intentional because, Somebody had to approve that story. Some editor, someone in the newsroom, and yeah, go ahead and, and do this. And so that's the part too. Is always thinking, you know, this went through levels to get approved. This just wasn't some you know rogue journalist who thought this was a unique angle. Um, so it, yeah, it is very. Um, it stands out when you look for it. The way that things are are badged. I was going back to the headlines after nine eleven, and. You know, the the headlines, you know, um, terrorists crash planes into World Trade Center, massive loss of life. Like I, I took all the headlines down from like the New York Times and all these other, and they were like really you th- headlines you wouldn't see today. Um, you know, it, it, again, it would be very measured. And and so that's something, too, is we're, we're not identifying um, these these issues. And if we don't identify them because we're going to offend people or whatever, then we're not going to address these things either. Or companies, right? Um, you know, like like those lock companies, you know, John, like you know, the, the companies that are selling those locks that fail, like if you're not identifying them, you know, they're... So so it is this really weird dance in, uh, in safety. But I, I think one of the things, yeah, like I said, going and just getting people to make decisions and, and figuring out what's happening around them, like this, uh, you, you guys know about... Um, the Kim's game ever. So Kim's yeah. Kim's game um, started out uh, with, I think it was like back in the scouts around 1908 or something. And, and uh, so you, you'd have like 30 things on a table in front of you. And then, you know, you look at it for 30 seconds and then it's covered up. And two minutes later, you have to say, okay, what was on the table and where was it? Or how many things are made out of wood? What's made out of metal and stuff like that. So Kim's game was a good way to practice like situational awareness, what's happening. Mm-hmm, around mm-hmm. You. you know, do we teach that to kids? Like when nobody does that, like I bring that up and I talked about PBS, you know, teaching kids to be aware of what's happening around them. It doesn't cost anything. Right. So vendors aren't going to put, you know, push it. Uh, we can make money off of bottlers. I can't make money off of just having you, you know, do Kim's mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. Um, I so, gotcha. Yeah, even these, even these things I was, um, when I, I I was supposed to keynote at a at a big conference, and all the paperwork was signed and all of that, and then within 24 hours, there's a one one side or the other can cancel, and the and the vendor got a, or, or the conference person got a hold of me and said we have to um, cancel, we, we can't have you here. So then basically there's a small severance and then it's done. And I said, okay, well why not? And they're like because like um, the stuff you're talking about makes it, it, it's not going to support our vendors because they're trying to sell products and you're trying to sell <laughs> systems. Right? So, um, 
so we can't have you we can't have you here because right the vendors are paying twenty thousand dollars for their you know six foot table out in front and one of their breakouts um so yeah i and i okay i i get it thanks for being honest um wow but yeah I could make a, a lot. I could make a lot of money if I if I went down the road. If you drank the Kool Aid or, yeah. or shared the Kool Aid, and I, you know, one thing I I've managed teams of people before, and I've gone on vacation, and I told looked at everybody on the team. I said, when I'm gone, make decisions, make right decisions. or wrong. I don't care. Make decisions. If I disagree, when we come back, we'll, we'll talk about why, how we got there, and why. And, and that's it. And that's what I think is critical is, is people need to be self-actuated to make decisions. The worst thing you can do is sit there and stare at it. And I, I'm going to throw my daughter under the bus a little bit. She's 19. And so right now I'm sitting in my office and I'm, I got socks on and there's carpet in my office, but the rest of the house is tile. I'm here like I am right now behind my desk. She's yelling fire. So I'm like, all right, I need to get into the kitchen as quickly as possible without like ending up on my head. Right. And I, in the microwave, she had something that had, it was like foil on one side, paper on the other. Yes. Yep. So it's, it's like slightly better than a candle burning. Right. I looked at that and I'm like, I just grabbed, you know, a dish towel and threw it over it. it and John, I'm sure, is just as much a pyro as I was growing up. We we burned all sorts of things. We knew how to put it out. I used to be a firefighter, remember? Oh, that too, yeah. Right. So you were pyro extreme then. Firefighters, you know, they they did something where they compared the the psyche of firefighter for the psyche of uh, arsonist. They were. (laughs) Which is crazy. And it's shocking to me. So my daughter's an A student, but you know, wouldn't know how it's like, Hey, like at what point do I grab the dry chemical extinguisher? At what point do I, you know, grab a cup of water, throw it on it. Oh, it's a grease fire. Don't do this. You know, she's also Zen, uh, I mean, Gen Z, right? Whatever. She's 19, whatever that makes her Gen Z. There you go. And while I'm throwing my daughter under the bus, I'm going to do one last chore. Um, I have a fire pit and she'd have friends over. So the fire pit, like they'd roast marshmallows and stuff. I've always started every fire at the fire pit with flint and magnesium. My daughter one day, this is years ago. So I got to give her a break. Says, daddy, if the power's out from a hurricane, will the fire pit still work? Well, there you go. And I'm like, that's almost as bad as my oregano story. <laughs> my wife's Italian. So she asked me one time, she was like, uh, I'm looking for the spice. I was like, what, I was like, what, what, what spice are you looking for? She was like, I can't say it in English. I don't know what the English word for it is. I think it's Oregon. I was like, Oregon, what the hell? And I'm like, what's the Italian word for it? She goes, oregano. I was like, oh, here you go. It's called oregano in English, too. <laughs> she gets so mad at me every time I tell this story. But it was funny. She's like, I don't know. That's the a good one. Like she was that. like, I don't know the English word for it. My wife uh, doesn't speak uh, English with an Italian accent. You know, Italian was her first. Le- she didn't learn English until she was five. But she speaks, like, perfect English. 
and she also speaks perfect Italian. So when we go back to Italy to visit her family and stuff, it really confuses the hell out of people there. Because wow. she'll, she'll be talking Italian to them, and they're like, oh, yeah, the Italian girl. Are you a tour guide? She's like, no. <laughs> and then she'll start talking to me in English, perfect English, and their face just like looks like, what the hell? It's really wow. funny. That is, the, yeah. Oh, my God. It's, it's, but, but yeah, she has no accent no matter what language she speaks. She also speaks like Spanish and a bunch of other languages, but whatever. Yeah, but it, it is a shame that unfortunately the only thing that's getting into the classrooms, whether it's educational or, you know, materials, is stuff that people can make a profit on. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, it's, and, you know, something else, uh, you know, so actually the 2019 PBS presentation, which is free, right? You just type in my name plus PBS and, you know, it comes up. There's a lot of wisdom in that presentation. I mean, you put it hours. I mean, I put months into building that. And, and um, but yeah, it is, you know, geocaching was another um, thing that I was talking about, um, you know, get kids out with their phones and GPS. And, and mm-hmm. so they, they could understand um, their environment. And then also like, Hey, like draw a map of like the places that you were around the school, around the house. And um, so, you know, free, right. That's something that, and it never took off. Like, why not? Why you could teach, you know, directions that way you could teach distance that way, you know, all of these things you could bring into, you could write a story about, I mean, so, but it didn't catch on. And, And that's the thing, you know, these safety ideas, which are effective, it seems unless you can package them, if I, if I stole this as a program, a geocaching program, then people probably buy it, you know, or like that um, Kim's game. I could put 30 things here in a box and sell it for a hundred bucks and suddenly it's Kim's mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it seems if it's, if it doesn't come as something you can actually buy, then it's like, nope, I'm not going to do it. But in, and I think, so I'm going to like kind of link to Dark's show. Dark talks about prepping a lot in I, I, a lot of us are cons- more consumers. So my wife and daughter, they, they want to eat organic food. But when I grow something in the backyard, that's the last thing they want to eat. They want right. to buy it from a store that says organic. And uh, I, I think a lot of people there, you know, I think dark or, or I'm not sure who said it on a show that less than 1% of the people grow their own food in the United States. Right. And we're, we're just used to anything that comes into our house of value is something we got on a store. It wasn't built right here, you know, where your butt's sitting. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, no. I, I think that that's a big problem, which, you know, links back to what I said earlier. The worst way to spend money is when other people spend money right. on other people because nobody considers a concerned about value or price in that case. And nobody, nobody, is really that good steward of money anymore. You know, when I, when I started in school administration 25 years ago, I mean, there was, there was a, a, a tedious process of going and assembling a budget, right? I mean, um, if you could get in bulk, you know, you could buy paper for printers and get a better deal on the lower. I mean, you did and today, like nobody even compares those type of things. They'll just like, you know, there's a lot of money thrown out there into the system and people just buy, or they just get told what to buy, you know, through, third parties, vendors and stuff coming in and say, here's what you need. And, and, you know, all the, 
all that is lost. And, you know, so Rich is a great point too, right? You, you go to yeah, a grocery store or something and it's, it's like, this is organic or this isn't organic. I mean, people go for the organic, even though they know nothing about it or that mm-hmm. they have the ability to grow this in their backyard or there's a farmer's market in their town and, and they could go get something at a farmer's market. It, it, it does seem like this whole thing of where people are so used to being externally validated. Like if they don't mm-hmm. feel yes. it comes from somewhere, and that's where I think 3D printing is going to is going to be liberating, and and I think we're also in this process of moving from just in time manufacturing to 3D printing, and and 3D printing is going to be empowering people at a, at a very local or very proximal, like just you know their home themselves, their creativity. So that's exciting, um, but it is it is this whole society, and I see again in school safety, um, and I really I really you know, stress this to students and I'll stop them if they start to say, well, this is what whoever said, or this is, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, but what do you think? <laughs> like, you know, you're the leader of the school, right? So like, what do you right. think? Do you think right. this would, would work or, or what, you know, one, two years ago, well, start of uh, COVID. So when the, when the kids return to school in fall, the, we were talking about safety drills. So how do you do safety drills? And when school, students haven't been in school for a while, stuff like this. And, and one of the soups said, you know, my principals complete their safety drills and they did so they did uh, socially distance fire drills. And I'm like, well, tell me about that. <laughs> and, and he said, well, they, they, um, they would wait. So the alarm went off and then they would wait and count like 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. And then a student would go and then they count and another student, there was social space. They said, okay, jump. Yeah. I, so, right. This is something feasible to you guys. I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, they're, you know, this is a good person, right? They're trying to do the right thing, but obviously like this is wrong. Like you obviously, right. Just get your principal. Don't share the story in class where everybody else can hear it. But, um, you know, so I was talking to him. I said, right. The thing is though, like that makes zero sense. You, you can't socially distance a fire drill. Even, I mean, no. this, this is nuts. Like you can't do this. You don't want eight minutes for people to get out of the building. Um, so, but yet it was this thing where no one said anything, you know, they, they talked about it. The principals were all like, okay, you know, this seems like well, it makes sense. And I'm like, the socially if, distance if the, fire drill. You, so here's the proposition. What's more important? getting out of a fire orderly and quickly or pretending not to get COVID somehow. Right. Because right. You, you're telling me each kid is six feet apart, has a mask on all that crap. And if the mask works, why do you need to be six feet apart? Whatever, you know, have, have somebody stand at the door, hand out some hand sanitizer and put a mask on and then go like one inch apart. Right. I mean, uh... So what you just said, right? Um, that that makes that makes sense. So you, that that totally is a logical way to do this. So the question is like, why why locally didn't someone say that, or or why didn't a number of voices come together? Because it wasn't say, in the manual. Yeah, it's it wasn't in a manual, and I think you know they people get so we're so terrified on how. And then the other thing was they in, instead of just doing these drills. Um, they, they were saying we're not going to do them because, you know, we're we've got too much other, you know, too many other things going on. And, and sometimes students are here and sometimes they're not. And if they're not here, then those students won't have received the instruction or whatever. So they decided not to do them. So which is, I guess, even worse, maybe. But um, but it's it's strange because, yeah, you see people fatigue their well, systems 
because and, and I, I hate to I don't know if I'm throwing a further monkey wrench into the works, but show me when there's an actual fire, how the fire drill helped anyone. Yeah, I it's that's a good uh, uh, question. I, I go back, I mean it's always what the Our Lady of Angels um fire in Chicago in nineteen fifty eight and where ninety two students perished and three nuns. And the case there was they were looking for somebody who was in charge to pull the alarm. So the alarm sounded too late to get. No, you're, you're 1952. This is 1958, December 1, 1950. So, so that's a case where it was, the alarm wasn't pulling time. So, so right. Um, Wow. So the thing is like, right. I I think the thing is, um, you know, with these, with these drills is, if, if you're doing the, when you're doing these drills, they have to be done with fidelity in the same way, so people can anticipate them. You don't, I mean, because now if you have a if you have the drill in that same school where they have the socially distanced drill, maybe kids are kind of just waiting. <laughs> okay, is the teacher going to send us out now, or are we all huddled in the classroom because, like, if we all go out together, we could get in trouble because we're socially close while we're exiting the building. I mean, all these things now that people shouldn't have to think about or like seven-year-olds shouldn't have to think about, but now it's kind of like, well, last time we did it, the teacher had us. So it's these things. I call it face validity, right? If it doesn't make sense, then it probably is. If you're feeling this doesn't make sense, it likely doesn't make sense. It's like um, a thermometer. You look at it and it's 88 degrees and you're outside and it's snowing and you're, you're shaking. You're like, well, what the hell? This is 88 degrees. Well, actually, the thermometer is either broken or your senses are obscured. Something is wrong because you can't have both of these. And um, people just don't recognize that face validity check. And, hey, like, this doesn't make any sense to do this. And, and one, of my, one of my cohorts, safety stuff, they bought these cameras, like these 8K cameras, you know. And, and, uh, and it was all badged as, well, if there's a safety situation, you know, the first responders can log into your system and see where everything is at. And I'm like, yeah, that might happen. Although, like, I doubt it actually would. But um, they, they were basically saying, yeah, if, you know, students are exchanging, like, notes or something, you could read what was on the note, like, from 40 feet. I'm like, are you ever going to do that? Like, is that practical? Like, is this... What are you being sold here? You're being sold expensive cameras and you're being told like, yeah, people can, you know, if there's something going on in your school, responders will be able to log in. I'm like, they're, they're not doing that. Like they're responding and they're not going to have an iPad in one hand of trying to see, you know, whatever. And I said, this it's all crazy. It's all garbage. Um, so when I, when I work with, so schools are, are required to do school safety drills and, in my state. And then January 1st, they have to submit to the state. So I teach, you know, the students kind of how to do these reports. So it's always, you know, police, fire, EMS. And so we talk about what do you want to accomplish with this? And usually there's no objective, right? Like I used to participate in these. I have a picture of, when, of you know, I'm, I'm running into the building, you know, in SWAT gear and stuff like that. And, and I said, well, Let's make a list. Do you want to know what your communications were? Did people know to grab their radios? Did they know what channel? Um, did emergency responders know where to stage their assets? What did they learn? How close could they get to the school? Or was there like a field or something where they you know, could stage their, their assets? Um, were students um, afraid of the responders, especially the younger kids? You know, you have a firefighter, right, John, coming in and turnout gear. That can be intimidating um, or even like EMS comes because a student has a seizure or something. So, you know, were kids familiar? Were they familiar with, you know, having a tour of the ambulance and stuff like that? 
Um, so you, you get the, did the messages go out to parents? Like I, we get messages every day, like, Hey, your kid was in close contact with another, with a COVID thing. And so if, um, they're having symptoms, please keep them home and test them. So did your messaging go out? Did parents know that this was happening? How about other buildings like 4k sites or, you know, community preschools and stuff like that, or part of your school where they notified something's going on in the building. So when you actually do that and say, here's like five things we're going to measure, yeah, it makes sense. Um, but otherwise, it just comes in. It becomes this high drama. And it's usually where it's it's they turn all of these into um, intruder exercises, right? Instead of, as we've talked about, um, radon, epoxy, weather, things like that that are more prevalent. But they, they turn it in and then they get super hyper-realistic of, you know, uh, bringing drama teams to paint people up in blood and have them in hallways and and put them in body bags outside schools, which I saw, like, and I'm like, you know, and then the news makes, they take pictures and then that they feel like this is the way it should look. And I'm like, no, this is, this is, it's way over the top. It's, it's, it's not, (laughs) this isn't realism. This is just, it's a, it's a very dramatic display that you're doing to get a reaction out of people and to make it look like you're, I, I think, doing what you need to do for the drill. It's just really weird. Um, you know, schools have where they, the, you know, people can participate and say, Hey, like uh, I'm a, I'm a community member. Can I participate in this drill? Sure. Like, what do you want to be? Do you want to be the intruder? Do you want to be a victim? Do you want to be uh, this person outside trying to get in, into the buildings? So now police have to figure out how to keep a perimeter. I'm like, that's kind of crazy, right? Like, um, and we don't do it for fire drills, tornado drills, uh, earthquake and stuff like that. I think, when I presented it in 2019, there had been like 13 students um, killed in tornadoes or storms um, in the last like 10 years. So like that, you know, that happens, but we never see people like do drills where they would put a barn fan and a handful of rocks into it and say, here's what it feels like if, you know, this hundred mile an hour wind comes down your hallway with debris. So, um, but I, I think one of my, my biggest accomplishments and it continues to to expand is to remove or, or, or to make people think beyond um, guns and make people think beyond um, just this intruder mindset when it comes to safety. Because, it, I mean, that's just the narrative, right? I mean, if you talk about school safety, it becomes um, active shooter or gun violence. Like that's exactly where people vein into. They go right down on that by that exit, right? That's where they're going. And so then you're Bacon not... has a comment here. I, uh, John, do we have to stop? Yeah, we do. We are okay. almost up. We yeah. get to the I, I think we need to have you back again. And and okay. I've got a list of stuff I wanted to hit with you. But there, this was an excellent show. Uh, we, we definitely got to have you back. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Def- definitely. You've been a great guest. I've learned a lot. I'm sure the people out there have learned a lot. Um, Rich, why don't you go ahead and, ahead and tell everyone where they can find you? Uh, flyingrich.com, youtube.com slash flyingrich, and on the grams, flyingrich underscore official. Watch this safety doc. What's your channel that you want to? So, channel that I want to pimp? Yeah. I thought I had it listed here. He never. <laughs> Seriously, man, I went through this. I got a list somewhere. I told oh, well, you. I can't find it. I can't find it. Oh, wait. Did I say anything that fires last week? No. All right. Anything that fires. All right. Uh, safety doc. Tell everyone where they can find you at. And everyone needs to sub to him. Let's get him to a thousand people. 
Hey, thanks, John. And, uh, and thanks, Rich. So uh, safetyphd.com is my website and my channel is the safety doc on YouTube. So if you type that in and yeah, I do shows on uh, Monday nights and then uh, Friday mornings and yeah, at safety PhD, you can also find uh, links out to my presentations on PBS. So if you're a parent and I mean, both are an hour long, they're, they're terrific, right? And they're free. So um, guys, one last time here, you know, it's Christmas time, School of Errors, the most honest book about the $3 billion school safety industry, um, places that sell books. So, and I just want to say thank you for having me on the show. Um, I've really looked forward to, to this all day. So I appreciate it guys. No, I mean, yeah, we definitely oh, got to have you back. Yeah, definitely have to have you back. I, I loved it. All right, guys, you know where to find me at. You can also check me out at, at uh, John Crump News on YouTube uh, and just go to company.com and you can find me anywhere. Uh, I got, I had a new article that dropped by a guy named Wes, who's a very, very patriotic guy. Who's also a freaking insanely great programmer so go go and that's i'm gonna have him on the show on 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 wednesday but i wrote an article about one of the programs that he wrote exclusively for our youth and that's over at amaland.com and it's already making already got calls from like people on the hill that that like want him to expand it and stuff like that i gotta talk to him about that uh, i told him they better pay him so <laughs> i'll see what they come back with all right, I'm going to give the safety doc uh, the final word. Share a word of wisdom with everyone out there. Yeah, a word of wisdom is um, just to be observant of what's happening around you and, and talk about it. Uh, it's face validity. And also I, I wrote about, uh, it's called a member check network. Um, three, four people let you know and say, hey, what are you observing in your environment for you know, prices in stores or supplies or price of gas and or how people are behaving. And and that really makes a big difference in helping to calibrate you because as <laughs> the media is all over the place, the media has an agenda, but your friends and your family are going to be very true. Use the words I observe instead of instead of they said, I observe is much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bacon, I linked your PBS interview on there. And with that, Wolverine's mother. 